Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, uh, Monday, October 25th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi is set to execute a man for the first time in nearly 10 years. Then we talk COVID relief, allocation, and medical marijuana with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. And a look inside a bitter fight over a coffee shop sign in Starkville. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. For the first time in over a decade, the state of Mississippi is set to execute a man. David Neal Cox was sentenced to death after pleading guilty in 2012 to murdering his wife and sexually assaulting his stepdaughter. He's recently withdrawn his appeals and is apparently prepared for a November 17th execution. Burl Kane is Mississippi's Department of Corrections Commissioner. Brittany Brown of MPB and the Gulf State's Newsroom asks him how, after nine years, does the state prepare to impose a death penalty? Well, we have a protocol that we have, and uh, we also have the law, because they specify in the law exactly how the process operates and how it goes. And so merely this, we're practicing the protocol and we're being sure that everything is in place and that uh, everyone knows exactly what they're supposed to do and do it in a timely manner, an efficient manner, and and do it in a very somber manner. So uh, we're just getting ready and getting ourselves prepared and reading the protocols and and uh, following the procedures set forth by law. What can you tell me about the man who uh, is going to be executed? I haven't talked to him, and so until I do, uh, there's really nothing I can say. I've never met him before, but I will. And uh, after I talk to him, we will talk to him and visit with him, and so find out about his last meal, things like that. So that's all in the protocol, and uh, that will all be done by the superintendent, and possibly by myself with him as well. So we'll be traveling departments several times and we uh, in the next month to be sure that everything is appropriate and everything is done according to law. 
And where and how will this execution take place? It's going to take place at Parchment, at Mississippi State Penitentiary, and it's going to be done uh, there at the prison. What method uh, does Mississippi utilize for executions? Mississippi utilizes the lethal injection method, as does most states now that have death penalties. And since you've been commissioner, what changes uh, have been made at Parchment? Oh, God, that's a big-time question there. We've worked really hard to clean up, pick up, fix up, make Parchment as presentable as it can be, and uh, keep it a constitutional prison and uh, provide all the, the things for the inmates that they're supposed to have and and solve problems, not make problems, and uh, do everything we can to calm the population, which we have. And and so Parchment is really in pretty good shape. It's moving that way. And so we have some issues, but we're working on all our issues. So Parchment is kind of a different place. And a lot of people worked really hard, even before I got here, to make it right. And since the Reed administration, he appointed some new deputy commissioners. They're already here when I came, and they had worked really hard and well to get it right. And we have a new superintendent at Parchment. And so that's a big deal, and we have a new superintendent at all our programs. So we've done that to change them and change the, change the uh, you might say, the picture of MDOC. Now it's a good place. We've hired a lot more employees than we have before. We're about 200 to the good, more. So it's a safe place, safer place. We don't have the issues we had, and so well, consequently we're not in the paper as much, which we're glad. And what do Mississippians need to know about this upcoming execution? What they need to know is the law of the land is what we carry out. And so the law of the legislature, which is a representative of government of the people, by the people, and for the people, is what they mandate we do. And so therefore, then we're just doing our job like they directed us to do. And that we will carry our job out to the fullest extent of the law and do it in a very professional manner. Burl Kane is Mississippi's Department of Corrections Commissioner. Coming up, we talk with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Today we speak with Mississippi Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. Hoseman is a Republican. He previously served as Mississippi Secretary of State from 2008 to 2020. Our conversation begins with medical marijuana legislation. There have been, I think, 30 different drafts, maybe more than that now. It has been sent to our senators. Uh, it was sent about a month ago to the governor. He came back and had some changes, most of which were incorporated into the last draft. And uh, I'm looking forward to having a medical marijuana bill, not a not a recreational bill, but a strict medical marijuana bill that, that people have asked for. Have you given up hope that there might be a special session to address this before January? I don't know about that. Uh, the governor gets to, <laughs> gets to pick. I don't get to pick that. Our goal is to make sure that the uh, that the public, particularly after the initiative was withdrawn by the Supreme Court, that the public has plenty of access into this and uh, will be ready after, after this last, latest publication. Everyone will have seen this for months. We have uh, had public hearings. 
So if the governor calls us in, uh, we'll do our work. Uh, if he doesn't, then we'll address it in uh, about eight weeks when we come in in January. The governor has, as you said, asked for changes. Mm-hmm. Is that appropriate for a governor to do that? Well, I don't know about uh, appropriate as a as a poor word. We 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 enjoy uh, comments from everyone. Uh, you know, the governor is a voter in addition to being the governor, and uh, we we want to make sure that everyone has input into this legislation. It was special because it was one that was passed in a constitutional initiative that then was uh, was withdrawn by the Mississippi Supreme Court. So clearly, it's unusual for us to send bills to the governor. I mean, we're the legislature. He's the executive branch. The legislature makes the laws and the governor and the legislative branch to carry them out. So yes, it's unusual to, to do that, but in this particular whole circumstance is unusual. And uh, so I, I thought it was appropriate that uh, Senator Blackwell and uh, Representative Yancey sent him a copy of the bill and asked for his input. I thought that was appropriate in this particular one. You, uh, during the session, we have about 1,000 bills, so we're not going to send them to the governor to review. He'll get, a, he'll get a chance to look at them when they're passed, if any of them are passed. And that was my next question. Once the legislative session begins, will medical marijuana be at the top of the list? Yes. And if it is passed immediately, how long before the rollout? Oh, we gave uh, cities and counties can elect out of medical marijuana. We've also given some deadlines, I think maybe 90 or 120 days in which they have to issue licenses. So pretty quickly, I mean, uh, thereafter, I assume there'll be license applications right away. Those will be issued uh, very quickly. Uh, I assume people will start using internal warehouse areas or building their own warehouses. I think you'll see a lot of economic activity just virtually immediately once the bill is passed and signed by the governor. I'd like to ask you about COVID relief. Why are lawmakers dragging their feet on allocating billions of dollars received through the American Rescue Plan Act? I just disagree with that, Karen. The worst thing we could do here in Mississippi is call a special meeting today and allocate $1.8 billion. That would be, uh, I, I have been, Along, I have been all over Mississippi, 50 different counties. I have met with municipal leaders and the mayors. I've met with all the boards of supervisors. This needs to be not a one or two year deal. It needs to be a one or two transitional basis where it is longer that we, we use it for, for long-term things, not short-term things. We can all get together tomorrow and send out the $1.8 billion. And next year, you couldn't find it. That, that would be the biggest mistake ever, and I don't intend to participate in that. When our, uh, we are, have asked, and I am receiving dozens of plans from cities and counties how they're going to do their water and sewer, how they're going to do their broadband and their tourist applications. They're, they're doing the, the great thing, which is taking time to make sure that this is transformational. This is generational, not one or two years, one or two generations, and that's what they're supposed to be doing. So I, I, I think it would have been absolutely foolish for us to be in session today trying to allocate $1.8 billion. Is there a deadline for receiving proposals from the communities? No. We start in January. I mean, we'll be in the legislature will be in January. We've asked them to get them in, and I, I literally get one a day, um, sometimes two or three a day. I met with one of the cities yesterday. So those are all incoming, and we're, 
we're starting to keep files on all of them and we're going to brief our senators and I'm sure the House is doing the same thing that we make sure that this doesn't be something that you can't find this money next year. We want to be able for our children and our grandchildren to be proud of the decisions we make today. You don't expect the decisions to be made during the next session. You're saying it would be ongoing because of the general generational aspect of it. No, we we have uh, 900 million. The city's got 900 million, so we will allocate some of that this next year. It may be all 900 million. It may be 500 million or 600 million. It may be what whatever meets those criteria of being transformational, generational type of investments. And if if, it, if we don't finish them all next year, if we can't find things that are that meet that criteria, then we'll allocate it the next year. And then realistically, uh, we almost don't have enough people in the construction business to do this work. Even if we allocated the whole thing, January the 1st, there's not enough contractors and not enough pipe, not enough lead and not enough everything uh, to be able to expend it in a, in a timely manner. This will go on for years. More and more Mississippians, particularly those in the medical field, are advocating quite strongly for Medicaid expansion. Is there any indication that Medicaid expansion will gain more traction among legislators in this upcoming session? We're going to hold hearings, I think, in the next two weeks. Uh, Senator Black will be leading that. Uh, now that he's through, I think, with his medical marijuana part, he'll be leading that along with Senator Hop Bryan, who is chairman of health. And they are looking at the delivery of health care. There are some kind of um, electric words in here, like expansion, Everybody gets a preconceived notion of what expansion would do, but it does not necessarily mean the same thing when you talk about the delivery of health care. Now, we are exploring the delivery of health care in Mississippi, and we have seven counties who do not have a hospital. That, that is not acceptable. Another three don't have an emergency room. That's not acceptable for people who get injured or have heart problems or whatever, that they have to be more than 20 minutes away from somebody that can save their lives. So we intend to have that occur. Now, how we get there is a matter of debate, and you'll see it debated this year, I think, uh, on how we get to that particular portion. If Medicaid expansion is not something that we're really interested in, we're still interested in working people getting health care, particularly in critical care. So uh, I intend to address that and how that works out. I, I really can't tell you right now. We'll you know, have hearings and everybody can watch. And we're, we're going to explore every alternative. I had meetings yesterday with some of my hospitals about how we might do this in a more uh, equitable way all over the state. So we're going to try to find a way that working people that get cancer, a guy gets cancer or something like that, and it breaks his whole family. And I, I just don't think that's right. Our conversation with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman continues on tomorrow's show. Coming up, a look inside a bitter fight over a coffee shop sign in Starkville. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Ill will grips a college town in the state as a popular local business clashes with city government over an unusual ordinance. Mississippi Edition producer Rob Lane tells us more. 
This story has everything a good Mississippi story needs. It's got college baseball, municipal politics, and two very stubborn people. And it starts with a guy by the name of Shane Reed and a little shop front on Route 12 in Starkville. My parents built the original convenience store in 1990. It's, it's gone through a few hands, and I actually bought the business and uh, got into business in 2005. The business Shane started was a coffee house called Strange Brew Coffee. I'm from a small town, and we sell premium coffee at Strange Brew. So I've always wanted to make sure that somebody coming off of a construction site gets the same exact coffee that the hippest of hipsters can get, you know, at, at Strange Brew. There was an old but a well-maintained sign out in front of Strange Brew near the street front. Shane's parents had actually had it installed when they first bought the property. It's the kind of sign with interchangeable letters like you might see at a church or an elementary school. Shane liked the sign. He saw it as a unique way to keep in touch with the Starkville community. We always try to put funny signs up, you know. We, we have McDonald's next door, and we have a great relationship with them. And when they started selling coffee a few years ago, or selling like kind of their specialty coffees, the McCafe stuff, we were going back and forth <laughs> You know, we would put up signs like, do you really want your coffee made by a clown? And they would retaliate with something and kind of cute. They kind of went back and forth. And every time we did it, we would always take muffins or hot chocolate or something over to them, just just letting them know, hey, like, we're just joking, you know, we're just ha- having fun with this. More than anything, though, the sign became the Starkville holy grail of trash talk during Mississippi State's football and baseball seasons. The morning after the Bulldogs vanquished Notre Dame to advance to the College World Series, the sign read, Guess that leprechaun flute worked. It's all lighthearted. We we go back and forth, and after that game, that week, it's over, you know, and uh, we just like to have fun with it. Over time, the legend of the sign grew and grew, and Strange Brew correspondingly commanded a larger and more loyal clientele. Then, as Shane tells it, something unexpected happened. We received an email from the Starkville Partnership downtown, and um, they said, hey, you know, if uh, you have a pole sign, if your sign's considered a pole sign, you'll have to have it replaced by May of 2022. So I emailed back, and I said, hey, is our sign a pole sign? I'm not up to speed with sign terminology. And they said that it, in fact, was, and that we would have to have it replaced. Pole signs, P-O-L-E. Yeah, like a tall pole sign. Enter who some folks will tell you is the villain of the piece. Lynn Spruill, I'm the mayor of the city of Starkville. Mayor Spruill wasn't in office a decade ago when the city passed an ordinance to cap the height of signs in Starkville. But now she's fully committed to ensuring that ordinance is enforced. Yeah, well, no, it's been in effect. What we were trying to do is be business friendly. On the offhand chance that somebody had a new sign back in 2010, we gave them 10 years to amortize it. Shane says 10 years? I have no idea what you're talking about. He claims he was totally unaware of the new rules until he got that email from the city. I guess ultimately it was my fault for missing the ordinance 11 years ago. (laughs) Lynn Spruill says she has no particular vendetta against the sign at Strange Brew Coffee, but poll signs in general, according to her, they're a problem. If you drive down Highway 12, which is our main corridor, um, over the last 30, 40, 50 years, people have just willy-nilly put up poll signs, left them up, some of them are very old. Some of them are, are newer. I mean, you've got McDonald's signs and, and that sort of thing, but it is not an attractive vista. 
beauty matters. Beauty brings pride to your community, and I want our residents and those visitors to be proud of, of being in Starkville and, and feeling comfortable here, and, and part of that matters. As for Shane of Strange Brew, he agrees that Route 12 is too congested, but he argues that's exactly the issue. If you've seen the store, we're not at the bottom of the hill. We're sort of in the middle of the hill. It would actually be super, super hard to see the sign at eight foot tall. We do use it for advertisement, I mean, obviously. And um, we've paid special attention to keep the sign looking good over the years. It's not an old rusty sign. It's not, uh, you know, it's not an unsightly sign. We think it looks beautiful. (laughs) You know, we like it. So we fired off a tweet. It read, Dear Lynn Spruill, The new sign ordinance would require us to kill our beloved Strange Brew sign. It's an important part of our Strange Brew history, and I hope it's been an important part of our local community by making people laugh and brighten days. How can we hashtag save the brew sign? Immediately, the SEC community sprang into action. Hashtag Save the Bruce sign trended on Twitter as football fans, baseball fans, and national pundits alike lambasted the perceived tyranny of the ordinance. I mean, Cecil Hurts from Alabama, you know, the opponent that's coming in, I mean, he gets it. He gets the sign. He knows that. We, we joke around on it, and it's just for laughs. You know, he's he was a, a big thing, you know, for sure. Barstool sports, <laughs> you know, and just... Other other people have uh, been real supportive of it, and we're thankful. Mayor Spruill watched as it all unfolded. I asked her if she's been taken aback by the intensity of the outcry. No. Oh, heck no. <laughs> no. When social media comes into play, no, I'm not at all surprised. But uh, And I knew that, that Strange Brew had a huge following, so as soon as I saw it pop up, I figured I was in for a long night and probably a couple of interesting days. So, and that has so far proven to be the case. So as things stand now, what's the outlook for the Strange Brew sign? Well, it's still unclear. Both Shane and Spruill say they've got plenty of respect for one another and that they've always gotten along in the past. But rest assured, no one's backing down. We've had people who have been in compliance since that ordinance came in in 2010. So to now say no, you know, you folks who came in from 2010 to now, you've put in a monument sign as we've requested, and now we're going to let all these other folks off. That's not fair, and that's not that's not good government. So, you know, there are reasons for exceptions. Strange Brew is welcome to come seek that exception. But for the most part, I think it's incredibly important that we adhere to that monument sign directive that was outlined in the ordinance. One final twist, Mayor Spurl actually happens to own a pole sign in Starkville of her own. It's for her apartment rental company, Spurl Property Management. Most of the time, she just leaves the sign blank, but right now it reads, This sign has to be gone by May 5th, 2022, per city code. For Mississippi Edition, I'm Rob Lane. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.